Welcome everybody to Damage Radio. We're here live on MockerRadio.com where music reminds me. You already know me. I'm Marcy alongside my guest. This man is the current MFPW middleweight medallion champion for the world-famous Monster Factory in Paulsboro, New Jersey. And also, he's the new American Lucha champion for a new promotion called Funhouse Wrestling. And quite frankly, he's marvelous. Marvelous Marcelo is in the building making his debut for Damage Radio. Finally, welcome to Damage Radio, Marvelous. And thank you for having me. I am so happy that I'm finally, finally on. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a while since I've been, I think you and me, we've been messaging each other uh, back and forth already for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm just so happy to be on. So uh, let's rock and roll. Let's do it, man. Uh, so for those that don't know, what inspired you to pursue professional wrestling? One thing that inspired me to pursue professional wrestling uh, definitely had to be uh, WrestleMania 13, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart. Uh, just seeing Austin bleed in that sharp, hearing the, the fans roar and starting to cheer for him as Bret Hart is starting to become the bad guy and hearing Jerry the King Lawrence saying, it's WrestleMania, baby. Like, that right there is where I'm like, all right, man, this is what I wanted to be. Like, ever since I was little, when I watched that match, and there hasn't been a thought different ever since. Yeah, with the, the blood coming down Stone Cold's face, uh, Shamrock, who, who you mentioned before, uh, with, with Bret Hart, it, it was just they told such an inspiring story in the ring for all those fans out there, and, and it was, rem- was rem- rem- remarkable. And, and now watching it back now, like I, in order for me to understand that story, I had to watch a couple of pay-per-views, a couple in your houses, right? A couple in your houses before that that led to that, and uh, I believe it was like a fatal four-way that led to um, – the vacant WWE title from Shawn Michaels, I believe, because Shawn Michaels vacated, ended up being uh, Undertaker and Psycho Sid, right? In the main mm-hmm. event. But that right there stems off the feud from Austin and Brett. And I mean, watching it back now, amazing storytelling, amazing everything. So um, we talk about that match. Is there a certain uh, other, another match maybe that got you hooked on professional wrestling and or promo? Yeah, um, definitely Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair. Um, like I, I, back then I used to watch wrestling just for the, the punches and the kicks and the cool moves, but something about the Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair story time that they, that they told throughout the weeks leading up to WrestleMania and then going into WrestleMania in the match and telling that story. I mean, just that's one of the ones that got me hooked completely promo story match, hands down, top to bottom. That right there, that's the one that always hooks me. And I always think about too. I and mean, you also got The Undertaker, who's yeah. a different kind of beast, you know, and uh, with his, when the gong hit, man, I can only imagine how you were probably feeling. Oh, uh, so as a little kid, when that gong hit, uh, I used to run and cry. And mind you, I never came out of my room until I knew that Shawn Michaels was on because Shawn Michaels, that's uh, no secret at the Monster Factory. Shawn Michaels is my number one. And it's funny that, like, I'm scared. I, w- I used to be scared of Undertaker because him and Shawn is one and two for me. And um, when Sean used to come out, he used to be all the mirrors shining, the light shining on the mirrors and the crowd and the girls reaching for him and trying to kiss him. And he's dancing around like that's what I love. I love that. That's what that's what I'm like. All right. I want to be a wrestler because if this is what being a wrestler is about, all these people loving you, screaming your name. Yeah, this is what I want to do. But when that gong hits, my ass ran away. Pause. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I hear you, man. And uh, so what caught you the most? What was it um, about professional wrestling? Was it the wrestlers, the Titantron, the fans, the music, the um, 
just the, the, the energy? Everything you just stated. Everything you just stated is what caught me. Um, and like I said, I've been watching this I, my whole life, basically. Uh, both my grandparents and my, and my parents watch wrestling. It's funny because my mom used to always watch the uh, WCW side of things, and my dad used to always watch the WWE side of things. So to me, uh, wrestling has kind of always been there. And I'm like, I'm going sidetrack because I'm just thinking about wrestling, and I almost lost your question there. <laughs> What was your question? I apologize because like I just started thinking about all these things coming to me. No, you're right. You're you're right on point, man. So what caught your eye most about it? Everything. That's what I'm saying. Just everything. Everything caught the mind. Everything. Everything that you stated before that. So yeah, that's what I was saying about just wrestling's always been in my life. Is I just love it. I love it. Anything from the turnbuckles to the ropes to um the interests to the music to the commentators to them making it seem like it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Hello, Dan. Dan, would you like to say hello? Hey! Danny King's looking his back. What's up, Danny? Keep it real up in the field. Always, man. I know what the capital of Thailand is, so I'm not I'm not going to say it now. So. Never know who's going to run in here, so, uh, yeah. Because you're live. It's never a day off. It's never a day off at the World Famous Monster. If you want your dream, you, you got to chase it every day. And that man right there, he, he does everything for you guys. And... If you're not there, there's something wrong with you. Uh, yeah, of course, Dan does so much that um, people don't see. Even the students here, they don't know or they don't see, you know. But that man's running around all day, every day, and it's all for us. It's all to make the school better. Uh, it's make basically everything, and, and also now professional wrestling just a better place. You know, um, his voice is, is strong in the wrestling community, you know, and it's no secret. He voices his opinions out on social media, whether people agree with him or disagree with him or not. He's just doing it for the love and for the betterment of professional wrestling because professional wrestling is his life. Obviously, he is the owner here of the Monster Factory, and we are his students, and we see that, and we, that, it motivates us. It makes us like, all right, yeah, wrestling's our life too, everything. Everything we do, like the social media or just going out in the community and helping out or just anything and everything. He right there, he, he motivates me. I just got to keep working. working. Well, seven years ago, he would be up on Damage Radio every week and just, you know, talking about his views on things, on how, like, when the WWE Network was just about to start, he told the Damage fans and us what needed to happen. And that week, next week, that happened. How you need to get how many, how many people to subscribe. This is what you have to do. And he was right. Uh, he uh, brought up Steve Cutler, who was in, you know, who was Steve Macklin uh, back in uh, the Monster World Famous Monster Factory. He brought Matt Riddle up to Damage. So like that man, if you put in the work and show that you're dedicated to this business, he will stick your neck out for you. And that's what I respect most about him, and why I keep coming back because the future is right where you are. No, and that's true. Like you said, he'll definitely stick your neck out. Um, I mean, like, I always, like, you know, there's so many people here. There's so many students. You know, there could only be so many relationships formed. There could be only so many people talking to them, you know, a lot. So I, I come in, and I just kind of – I'm always the one that just kind of keeps to myself. You know, I never like to be like, hey, did I – you know, unless I did something wrong, I won't be like, hey, Dan, like, I'm over here. Like, I kind of like to just <laughs> – but, you know, there's – I know I – I know, I hope I earn my respect because, I mean, the situations and the matches he, he puts me in, 
the opportunities I get else, even outside the factory because he lets me. You know, it's all because of him, and I know for a fact, like, he respects me to the fullest, and I respect him for that. And for that, I just continue to keep my head down and work because that's all people want, want you to do here. We just want you to work, you know? Right. No and I don't think if he didn't like you, I don't think he would be letting you uh, slide and be doing this interview right now. So, major props that, to him. That, and I don't think I'll be anywhere holding a medallion. I don't think I'll be here. So, <laughs> very true. Now, that's you talked about it earlier. Um, your family, mom or, and dad, both liking different promotions. How was right. that when when the invasion happened? Well, home? so and when that happened, I mean, literally, I had picture to picture, uh, two TVs on. Uh, of course, we're, we're recording, you know, the little cassette, the video cassette players. My mom grew up a uh, Ricky Steamboat fan because uh, mm-hmm. Grandpa lady lived in the Florida Florida area, so, of course, they called more of a WCW vibe down there. Uh, of course, up here and being in Jersey, we got the WWE vibe. So my, my mom just loved the pure wrestling part of it. Because she just like watching the athletic ability, while my dad like loved Razor Ramon just characterized, you know, the difference between WCW and WWE, and that was the difference with how they look at wrestling. You know, mm-hmm. my dad, my dad grew up in, in Puerto Rico, and he was there for the Ric Flair, Abdullah the Butcher, Bruiser Brody matches, Carlos Colon. He was there at those football. Those. He's seen the blood, so he likes that. My mom liked the technical work of Ricky Steamboat and. At the time, studying Steve Austin too, and McFoley uh, guys like that. So you were learning before you even knew that you were learning. Exactly, because it's just there. It was there. Wrestling has just always been there. I don't know anything else but wrestling. Like I mean, wrestling was there. <laughs> right. So when did you decide that this was a dream, and when did you, when did you decide to pursue it? Um, definitely a couple years back. Um, I remember I was just working just. Like I was working a little dead end. I was a forklift driver. Uh, I was making pretty good money actually, because uh, I was a head supervisor at my job. And um, remember, I was just on a forklift one day, and I was just like, "Yeah, imagine what it'd be like just actually being a wrestler." And me, obviously, I'm a little bit shorter than your average wrestler. I was like, "I don't know if I got an opportunity," uh, you know. And then one day, just deep down inside, I uh, no pun intended, but I found my inner light. And that's basically why I always call myself the light of all that is because it wasn't until that moment that I realized, I was like, you know what? If I actually just like put my mind to it, I could do it. And I remember I was just watching, the, like I said, I was watching the YouTube videos of the Monster Factory and Destiny Beat. There was an open house on the 27th and I went ahead and never looked back since. So you walk in those doors. What's the first thing that's going through your mind? Uh, I was I was intimidated and I was looking at everybody's athletic ability. Uh, I was first of all also eyeing everybody. You know, I had just first fans you just judge people. You know, of as course. You should. Uh, first fans, I'm like, well, if that guy could do it, then maybe I could do it. And then the only short person that was there at the time was a uh, Tiger Tiger Watson. You know, Tiger, okay. Right. And Tiger was in the corner. I'm like, well, Tiger Tiger's tiny, but then I seen Tiger. I'm like, wow, well, Tiger's 4D. Like Tiger's jacked. Right. I'm I'm very lean. I am very, very, very lean. And um, I walked in there with a group of 10. We got in the ring. I touched the ring for the first time on tippy toe. And I said, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this because they're going to break me. They're going to break me. I'm just, this is. But a week later, those other people weren't there with me anymore. It was just me by myself. Wow. That, 
Monster Factory right there, seeing TJ, seeing Max for the first time, seeing uh, Getty Cahoon for the first time, Royal. Um, I went up to all of them, and I told them, I'm like, hey, man, I've seen your stuff on YouTube. I respect it. I can't wait to learn from you, you know? And all those guys and more basically took me on in the wing and molded me to who the I am today. Without a lot of those guys and other guys that I haven't mentioned yet, um, man, I don't think I'll be the wrestler than I am. I don't think I'll have the mind for this. Um, that's the most important thing is having the mind and the maturity for this because people come in defeated already. Mm. They come in like, I can't do this because that guy could do it. Well, you could do it. You could do it. You know, we right now we got a, a student here who's a little bit on the heavier set side. And he's been busting his butt. He's been working. He's already been here for six months. already lost over 50 pounds. And I always go up to him. I always go up to him and I always tell him, hey, man. Um, you didn't come this far, it's when he comes this far, you know, six months of hard work will put you six years ahead. And that's the mentality that I tell myself and I tell them, cause I don't like to, I don't like to see someone who is just down or defeated inside. Cause you could clearly see it in their face. Cause I've been there. So I know what that feels like. I know what that looks like. So when I'm in here and I see my other brothers and sisters and they're down, man, I'm going to motivate them. Like, no, let's go. You can do this. Just because we can't do flips like like Sammy Miami, you know, or uh, have good looks like the golden arrow, you know. Somebody yeah. just, somebody's rolling their eyes right now listening to this. Um, doesn't mean that you can't go out there and do it, you know. Kevin Kelly's rolling his eyes right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, any, put your mind to it, man. That's Anyone can pretty much do this. And I say that because you have to put your mind to it in order to do it. Now, not... Don't get me wrong. Not anybody can do this. Not everybody can do this because this is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But if you put your mind to what if it's wrestling or anything else, you can do it. You just gotta believe. So you said when you in your uh, your toe hit the ring, you were like, "What am I doing?" How about that first bump? Taking that first bump, what was going through your mind? The adrenaline. How are you feeling? I was like, "Ouch." <laughs> yeah. I said, uh, "I said ouch," and then I got up just fine. Um, I got up fine. After the next day, I thought I was in a car accident. And at that point, I was like, is this how I'm going to feel every single time I land on that thing? Uh, but luckily, uh, after a month or so, continuously bumping, bumping, I'm used to it. Now the problem is, if I don't if I don't go in that ring and I don't take a bump for two or three weeks, the time I do take a bump, I'll feel it the first time. It's like, oh, here we go again. Introducing me to wood. Yep, wood and right. steel beams. <laughs> Definitely. And I remember uh, the first time I really got a chance to talk to you was when I did the documentary from um, common, from a podcast host to professional wrestler. And I actually did a camp with you guys. And you and I were doing a lot of the lockups together. And a lot of the, um, when you lay on your back and you got to get up real quickly. Uh, doing that camp, um, I already knew what I was going into. And at the time being, I was 38 at the time. So I, I knew I need to hustle. I need to, those, those, that month before that, I was running, I was jogging, I was getting to see because I knew just don't take this lightly because this is a long eight hours. And Danny or Royal, they're going to run you to the ground. They see you dragging. And I knew the, um, what I had and the pressure that I had on myself. So I came in there and I made sure that I was ahead of the game. Even if I was, you know, hurting inside, I made sure to hide it and not give up. So what I got out of it is 
more respect for you guys, even more respect that I already have for you guys. And I know, I know when I did the promo, that was my element. So when I got, when I had a chance to cut the promo and then cut the promo on, on even Danny Cage, you know, and I'm still here. And just that ovation from you guys, the clapping, and then me feeling like I'm one of you guys, that made the world to me, you know, because like, this is a dream for me too, to, you know, claw and climb. And I understand what you guys go through because 13 years in the business, me doing this, trying to just trying to find my spot. And I'm still, I'm still trying to find my spot. It's not just a hobby. This is, this is your passion. This is what you bleed every single day for until you can make it. So never take anything for granted. And I didn't take that moment for granted at all because not only do I have the footage to show my kids one day, but I have the, in my heart, being able to be with you guys and sweat with you guys and live my dream out. I mean, that was remarkable, man. I loved it. I, I definitely remember you uh, showing up to the camp. You were uh, sweating bullets. Uh, maybe not, maybe a little bit of nerves, but definitely because of all the running we had to do, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, all the running we had to do, and I remember locking up. But when you, when you got up there, you were definitely in your zone. And even at that time, man, that happened. When was that camp? Two years ago almost, right? Yeah. About, yep. I was maybe six months in, maybe at that time, I was not a good promo. Now I go out there, I'm like, ah, but at that time, I used to, hey, I'm like, I don't know what to say. But then you got up there, and you just rocked the mic, man, and and, and you, you, you turned it. Up. You did good, man. You did great, honestly, and uh, you are definitely one of the boys, especially here at the Monster Factory. Um, obviously, Dan lets me do this podcast right now in the middle of training right now. You're not going to see. And I can do this podcast with you, so you definitely got the respect here of the boys, man. And I'm so glad that you came out and experienced that, because not everybody gets experienced that. You know, people that don't experience it, they're like, oh, you know, it's fake, and blah blah blah. blah. I'm like, you have no idea. Right. <laughs> and even waiting in line to do your promo, how quickly you can forget what you want to say. Oh, and then when, when Dan was like, okay, you better, this is your shot now. You better do good at this, because what you do for a living. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I just. I forgot everything I was going to say, and then I just kind of just went with it, you know? So, and then in the ring, when um, we were taking the bumps, and he says, are you sure you want to do this? I love my plumber, but you don't see me knee-high, and you know what, you know? Like, I don't want you to hate this. And I said, no, I want to do this. I want to feel what you guys feel, so then I have a better appreciation for for what I watch and why I do, why I want to interview you guys and learn your story on why you're doing this, so... I'm still here. So, I mean, it didn't scare me. So, and you're still here now, you know, um, just, just, just amazing. I, and I actually, I appreciate you and I respect you so much that that was your mentality going in. You know, obviously at that time, I'm still new. So, I didn't know exactly who you were at the time. But just the fact that you got in there and I mean, I'm pretty sure I don't, would you be open for a second round again of training coming out once the world opens back up? Oh, you know it, man. I, I uh-huh. now I know you don't run in the ring, you glide because I almost went right through the second rope. <laughs> luckily, they put luckily they put really good music in the background, so it made me look kind of cool. So but. I got a pretty 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 little little neat running uh, learning how to run the rope story. Um, so when I started running the ropes, I had a tippy toe problem. Mm. I would tippy toe, tippy toe, tippy toe, and I remember Warrior so he's like, "Stop running tippy toe, stop running tippy toe." <laughs> So uh, a little bit right before uh, he left, 
we had uh, Damian Priest still around, and I called him at the time. And I remember one time I was just learning, trying to run the ropes, and he looked at me. He's like, "You know, you run tippy toe." And I was like, "How do I fix this?" He's like, "I want you to run the ropes, and I'll tell you when to stop." Ten minutes later, um, <laughs> ten minutes later, uh, I actually finally started having a form. My feet started going flat. Uh, I was running, running no more tippy toes because I got tired of running my tippy right. toes. So flat. Next, you know, I started getting that formation down again. Then I finally stopped. Then after those ten minutes, he's like, "All right, run it again." Ten minutes later goes by. I finally got the form. After the twenty minutes, he's like. Right now you know how to run the road, so I don't want to see you tippy toe. My one my one lesson in running the ropes between him and Royals. Thank them for teaching me how to run the ropes. So of course now he's he's doing amazing things. And um I'm just like I said, I call him at the tail end. So I never got to uh have a build a relationship with him, but I have met him a few times and just the time that he was in that ring and he made me run those ropes like that guy, he doesn't have to stand there and watch this new kid run the ropes for twenty minutes. I was the only one in, and he stood there on those ropes until I got the formation down. And now, I mean, that's a, I'm a whole different beast now in the ring of raw running. You know, it's more like it feels like a glide to me. It feels almost natural. I almost feel spiritual. And that's that's one thing that I forgot to mention earlier when I went to the open house is that once I got in the ring, everything felt spiritual. It was like, it was like. And I bet you, you felt that way once you got in there and you got that chrome when you felt high. Once you're like, this is how it is. That, yeah. yeah. Is. Now, so. uh, talk a little about your three-year your three year journey from paying your dues, from holding the camera until now. Did you understand back then why you were holding the camera until your very first match? Do you get it now, why Danny goes with that kind of a mentality? Right. Um... I, he asked, there was a, basically there was a show and he's like, Hey man, I need a new cameraman. Who's willing to step up? And I was like, whatever gets me way concession. I want to be as close to the action. Cause I want to see what it like, I want this, what better way to do it with the camera. So he gave me the opportunity to start recording the monster factory matches. Now also too, at that time, he, we had the ring of honor dojo here. We had the ring of honor guys here and uh, he will put me backstage and I'll be backstage holding the cameras while they'll do the promos. And uh, the rest is where I cut the promos and I'm just in the back with all these guys that are at this other level, you know, wrestling and, and, and hearing what they're, what they're saying and picking up that knowledge. And I'm like, I'm only a month in now. And yeah. now I get to, this and see people work and hear it and I understand why Dan gets opportunities you know and with no expectation no nothing everybody should go in with these opportunities with no expectation but it's what you do once he gives you those opportunities it's what's going to open the doors for everything else so when I started being cameraman it was just consistently I remember I used to dress up really really nice and I did that on purpose because at the end of the day, like, I think we all get into wrestling because we want to be stars. Right. You know, perception, right? Isn't that what they always say? Mm-hmm. So I, it's just to hold the camera. And I remember every time I come out, they'll be like, cameraman's a star. Cameraman's a future champion. Who is the cameraman? Because I used to just look so proper just holding the camera. Nice. You know? I loved it. I loved it. I used to get in there. Like, you know, I know how I watch wrestling. I know what camera angles. I know mm-hmm. the faces. You yeah. know? Um... 
So when I did that, I was in the cameras for a couple months. So only, believe it or not, five, five months in, five months in, there was a, a turkey slam, battle royal. It was one of the last turkey slams that we had, the two rings set up in the very middle of the monster factory. And um, I was a cameraman. And Dan's like, hey, man, if you want to go in there, you can go in there, you know? Go in there real quick, 60 seconds. I'm like, cool. I was like, what do you want me to grab? What do you want me to do? He's like, I'll tell you that in a minute. I come back up. I'm putting my wrist tape on. Might be, I'm still all suited up. I got my dress mm-hmm. pants. You know, I got my little wrestling shooters that hopefully nobody sees. And he's like, all right, you go in there. You got to go get Royal. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, yeah. first, first time on a show ever. You know, so when it was three, two, one. I made a big scene. I told everybody, I was like, well, it's time. Here it is. And I dropped my camera. I gave it to uh, Brett Waters at the time, too, because me and okay. him started. Me and Brett literally are a week apart. Nice. So I gave him the camera. I went in there. I hit roll from the back. I look around. I turn around. I get a kick to the face. Next oh, one, no. guy high. It was such a, I got up there so high that Royal lost me when he launched me up. So when he launched me up with two hands like he usually does, he had to reach with a, he had to reach with the other hand and bring me back down. Once he brought me back down, I remember he threw me. And once I went over the ropes, I looked at Dan and Dan's like, and so I sold, <laughs> so I sold for 20 minutes. I still had the main event. And mm-hmm. I grabbed, grabbed the camera and I sold the rest of the night Royal Sky High. So I was just like this on camera, just like, Nice. Oh. <laughs> Do we have a running? Do we have a running? Oh my goodness, look at this. We have a running, another running. <laughs> Do you know who this man is? Is that Sammy Miami? No. Uh, no, what's going on? Jafar. What's up, Jafar? Our night of training, you already know. We got the runnings all night here. I love it, man. I love it. So uh, take us back to your legit first match. Um, tell us about the emotion walking through the curtain, your theme music, who was your opponent, and just the jitters, man, that you're feeling. Are we talking about like a match on a show, like my very first yes. match on a show? Uh, okay, awesome. So my very first match on a show was against Royal and TJ's very first tag team match as a tag team. Uh, my tag team partner at the time, his name is Devin. He's not, he's not a student with here um, with us right now. But it was, I remember it was me and him teamed up against Royal and TJ. And they said, hey, you could go out there. You could have your own music. You could do your own entrance. So I'm excited. You know, I'm excited. I got my little, my little generic tights on. And I, had, I was wearing a cardigan. How embarrassing. I was wearing a hooded, <laughs> I was wearing a, a, a hooded cardigan. Uh, and I remember when I came out there, uh, <laughs> course it's quiet you know it's quiet like who's who this kid right but i remember somebody in the crowd was like oh marvelous is a future champion you know because they see me again with the camera so the fans the very loyal fans here they get excited when they see you debut you know so people got excited they didn't know i was going to go be a quote-unquote heel but of course when uh tj and royal come out i mean the place just goes apes you know monkeys and just they come out and um you know i got I wouldn't say I was nervous. It was more like I was uh, hurting because uh, those guys went in there and they destroyed me. And I remember <laughs> they must have body slammed me, taking turns maybe 10 times each. Just, it was just body slam, body slam, yeah. body slam. Finally, I countered out. I finally got the tag. Tag. 
let, let my partner get in there, get his lickings in by Royal and uh, TJ. And I remember just laying there and I'm like, I'm really doing this. Like, this is the craziest thing in the world. Like, I'm really here. But again, it's so spiritual. So I wasn't, when I, I just feel like it just feels right, you know? Right. Next thing you know, I turn around, I go ahead and I break up the pins. I see Royal's big boot going this way. Lights out, they hit their finishing move. After that, they, <laughs> I remember the other people, they already had ice bags ready for me. I was felt like I was or something. They're like, here, take this. And they're like, oh, right. yeah, yeah. butt whooping and this and that. And I'm like, awesome. But I couldn't sleep after that. I couldn't. I just lived my dream. Like, how could you sleep, you know? Right. So I didn't sleep for two days after that. <laughs> Jeez. Now, um, take us, um, what was one of your favorite seminars that you've been to? Uh, wow. So, <laughs> this is going to be funny. My very first day was a seminar. Really? My, yeah, my very first day was a seminar. Um, so, that's really one of my favorites because, I mean, I didn't know what was going on. Like, I didn't know anything. Dan was just like, hey, show up. Like, sorry, because I'm not going to be here Thursday and Friday. And um, I just got to go around and... And, like meet everybody and see how everybody is and then we had people coming in from outside and we had uh, Ricky Reyes was there uh, doing a seminar and uh, Ian Riccoboni was there also in the seminar and another uh, comedian I believe from Los Angeles I forgot his name it's been such a while now uh, but just that experience where we were going around and of course I wasn't doing any of the in-ring but Dan let me get up on my apron and he let me watch you know and course afterwards um we had the show and after that like i was like wow like russin's like really really cool like this is really what's for me you know honestly like the seminar being my first day was honestly a blessing uh because it motivated me even more because i'm like you know what the next seminar i'm gonna do this this and this and that and just so happens the next seminar we had a show and that was the same night i debuted against royal and tj because i was in there and i was working and um Gio, I believe. Gio, he was the one that was in, uh, Dan put him in charge of the show. Gio looked at me. Gio was like, hey, man, um, what are we doing? Why was she? He's like, hey, do you got gear? I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, we'll get you on. You know, yeah. so that, the, the first and the second seminar, both my favorites for, for personal reasons. Right. Now, talk about the importance of taking advantage of the seminar, picking at their ears and, and hearing their stories and hearing their struggles as well. To know that you're not alone. How important was that for you? Uh, super important, not just for me, but for everybody. Anytime we have a seminar, especially with guests that come out from outside that have previous experiences all around the world, it's super important to pick their brain. It's super important to listen because not only are you learning something new, but you're, you're going to feel it a lot more, especially it coming kind of one-to-one. You know, even though we're in a ring with Let's just say, example, I got Ricky Reyes in the middle of the ring, and he has 10 other students, and he's giving us knowledge. It almost feels like it's one-on-one, you know, and the way how I hear their emotions and how they feel about wrestling and the little nuances and the little things that they know that I'm just like, oh, I thought I knew wrestling. I thought I just I just downloaded a Jim Cornette podcast and just watched wrestling. I think I know wrestling, you know? Yeah. No, I, I don't know. So seminars are extremely important. And not only that, you can get your name out there in the seminar. You know, if somebody comes in and they might see you like, oh, hey, why don't you come over here? You know? So, uh, it's, it's, important. it's important. Let's talk about the importance of uh, 
how this is a business too. You need to learn how to sell yourself, whether um, thinking about the merch that you want, um, why the name Marvelous Marcelo, you know, why the gear. Talk about about that and how important it is to learn the other side of, of this professional wrestling business. Yeah, so that right there, I that's a big deal. 100% it's a big deal. Uh, social media right now is a big deal. Another thing, too, is I'm, I used to be Marvelous Marcel. Now I just, I just cut it down to Marvelous. Okay. Uh, I did that also for a business reason. See, when I started, I was like, what's a cool wrestling name? Uh, Marvelous Marcelo. I was like, that just sounds like a wrestler. Like, you know? But then I'm like, that also sounds like a wrestler in the 80s and the 90s, you know? And there's so many in wrestling. There's so many Marvelous this. Marvelous that. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm Marvelous. And that's where I'm like, I'm Marvelous and you're not. You know? And the importance of social media, what I try to do is, I don't, I'm not Gabriel on social media. I'm Marvelous on social media. I just try to promote, it's just an extension of myself. I just try to promote positivity. I try to promote an alternative way of thinking. Um, just all positive done. Nothing negative, nothing like that. Um, I'm on Facebook every day messaging promoters and everybody like, hey man, like, you know, I'm doing this, this and that, I'm available. Um, and if it's not just from social media, it's just what I do also on the outside. Like I, I'm spending money on gear, you know, I'm making that investment, you know. Um, I remember I had some, some kid, he comes up to me, he's like, why do you have so much gear? And why, you don't need that much gear. And he had like one set since he started. And mind you, this guy's been in wrestling long before me, you know, yeah. but he, He's seen that I have five sets of gear because I'll come in and I'm like, well, which one am I wearing today? You know, but I'm an investment, you know, that's an investment. And the Monster Factory gives me a platform for that, you know, and I could go ahead and I could show off my brand. And I have to do it in a way where now, and so obviously with social media, it's like very like walking on eggshells. You don't know what to say. You don't know. Sometimes I won't even post that all for a straight month unless I'm wrestling, you know. So the importance of building your brand outside of the ring, it's super important. And everybody should learn that, you know, this world's changing. We got to adapt to the times, you know, we got to, we got to be more respectful and more open to people's sensitivities and things like that. Where if they don't agree with your views or not, we can't go on disagreeing with each other. You know, Hey man, if you, if I'm not the wrestler for you, uh, that's, that, that's fine. You know, but if I'm the wrestler for someone else that I could help them, in their life, not as just a, but if I could just give them some type of motivation that they could change their life, that's what I'm really doing it for. I'm doing it for people that don't have that don't have hope, that have just nothing but doubt. I want them to look at me and be like, man, that 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 little tiny guy over there, he could do this. He's doing this, stepping up in there with the big boys like Shaheem Ali and Royal and Travis Jacobs. Yeah, I'm getting in there with those guys. Ball ball, yeah, Ricky Reyes, yeah, I'm getting in there. So can you, man. You just got to believe, man. So that's that's all I try to do as far as my brand. It's all positivity, man. And with that, it just it could create so much more opportunities for me. You know, and I do everything with no expectation. That's another right. thing, too. Uh, I'm not always one to always be on Twitter like, hey, I'm wrestler this or I'm wrestler that, you know. I kind of like, thank you. Give me the credit, but I'm not going to, like, look for it. I'm not going to show it off. I'm like, right. That's how I'm different in social media. Okay. Now, talk about that first time you signed an autograph. How great did it feel? At first, I was like, you want my autograph? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I 
everyone we used to always have the fans come in the back, of course, after a show, and they'll come up to me. And was, you know, I'm just signing their autographs, and I'm with, with every autograph, I'm like writing a different M. I'm doing something different. Learn how to. You know, I'm like, well, maybe I'll just do like an M and a star, or maybe I'll just do marvelous. So uh, <laughs> still learning, still learning, still trying to get nice. my uh, up there. So it's just felt amazing, man. It feels so cool. It's everything I wanted. Now, after a long show, maybe two or three hours, you just said fans can pay extra or uh, with their ticket, they can go backstage and meet you guys and talk to you guys. How much, like, do you enjoy that? Or sometimes are you just like, I just want to go home? Or do you know the game and how important they, they are for your career going forward? All of the above. <laughs> um, obviously, before the pandemic, um, they were able to come in the back. And it, it got to a point where sometimes it's like, you know, after a, a good match, a long match, or just a long day in general, it's like, oh, man, you know, it's like we got to stay here for an extra 20 minutes because then we can't clean up. All we want to do is clean up. You right. know, we want to clean up. We could get going up. We could rest, you know. So sometimes it got to a point where it was like, dreaded, but I love meeting the fans. I love when fans come up to me and they just want to take pictures or whatever. And I love that. And now that we haven't had that in over a year, I'm like, I want them to come back there. Like, I miss them so much. Like, I want to talk to them. You know, I, I, I want fans to know, like, hey, we care that you come out. You know, you don't have to come out to New Jersey inside, you know, the Monster Factory. You don't have to come watch us, you know, quote, unquote, independent wrestlers that are not in like that, but they do. And with that, I want to show them respect by taking pictures with them or just signing their autographs or just getting to just chat with them. So I, like you said, a little bit of everything above, and now I just completely missed the period. So uh, I can't wait to shake one of your hands. Uh, I see you guys. You're right. <laughs> I'm out there. Uh, I just want to shake your hand. That's all I want to do. Nice. So what would Marvelous today tell young Marvelous Marcelo just starting out in the business? <laughs> Get in better shape. And drink a lot of water because, man, um, I was not in shape. I was not in shape at all. And quick funny story, my first full day of training, just the warm-up alone, I told I, Jafar, I was just here, I told Jafar, I was like, hey, can I use the bathroom? Like, I'm about to throw up. I go in the start puking my brains out. Guess who walks in there? Danny. 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 Yeah. Danny. Yeah. Danny goes in there, goes to his urinal, just, you know, doing his thing, laughing. He's like, he's like, you're throwing up? Yep, he's like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> with that Danny Cage laugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he was just like, don't worry, kid. It'll get better. And I was like, oh, God. I believe but, you. Man, it, it, got, it got better. So I would definitely tell uh, Mars Marcel, well, you, should, you should have been in better shape instead of wasting your years. I wasted my years, uh, my, my younger, early 20s, and too busy partying, you know, and that, that lifestyle. So it was far away from when I was doing just to start running again and start doing push-ups again out of nowhere. I was not ready for that. Right. <laughs> so tell us, tell us the fans out there how you felt when you found out you were going to win the MFPW middleweight medallion champion. Like, so how did you feel going into that? Did you know going into that match or did it just happen? Um, I'll peel back the curtain here. I kind of like, I, you know, I, I was – Kind of like I knew it was going to happen. Like it was just, I, it got to a certain point, at least 
in, in the division, in the middleweight division, that I started looking around here and I'm like, man, maybe it's me that's next. Maybe it's like, you know, maybe I'm the one that can hang in this division. Maybe I can make this division my own. And of course, Jafar at the time, there was a little bit of a hiatus. So I started, I started doing videos of where's the medallion. You know, there's a bunch of videos on me on Instagram looking for the medallion. I named the medallion Melly. Uh, for medallion, of course. So I'll be like, have you seen Melly? You know, so I was cutting promos for months before I even had that official match with Jafar. Because uh, I wanted to make the middleweight division mean something. Because if I'm not obviously going to be in the heavyweight picture or the supersonic picture, I want to be in this picture. And I'm being in the middleweight division. I want to make this my own. And I was working nonstop, nonstop, even through the COVID, through the pandemic, just nonstop wrestling to the point where finally um, man comes up to me and he's just like, hey, man, I, I know you've been looking for that middleweight medallion. And he was just like, I'm just waiting for Jafar to show up. <laughs> so uh, finally, uh, Jafar, uh, a month later, finally comes back after, you know, the COVID um hiatus and everything like that and he comes back and he's like well it's you two at the next show factory reboot our first show back and at that point i'm like let's go because uh oh people jafar is probably one of my best friends here um he is someone i respect i look up to um we're the the same age you know so we we have the same lights we look at wrestling the same when i tore my clavicle in a match with twitch um him and dr carl martin were the first ones to take me up they put ice on me. They taped me up. So when I got to find out, I got to wrestle Jafar. And mind you, throughout the three years before that, I never even did a drill with Jafar. I've never been in a ring with Jafar. We never had a training match with Jafar. Like, everything which you're going to see at Factor Reboot was the first time me and Jafar ever touched. And, man, was the magic. Because I was not expecting that crowd to be how amped up they were. I wasn't even expecting them to remember who I was. When I go out there, when I went out there and I got up on that on that turnbuckle and I pulled for my light and they're chanting marvelous, marvelous, I'm like, yes, it's go time. And then when I get down, they're booing Jafar because they can't stand Jafar. Nobody can stand Jafar, right? And they're booing and I'm like, oh, it's go time. I was like, they don't even know what's going to happen. <laughs> like, right. you know, so. Well, once we got in there, uh, we had the match happen. Um, hit him with my good old stunner. I call it the Great Wonder because the uh, the definition of Great Wonder is marvelous. So that's where that comes from. I hit him with that stunner. One, two, three, big ovation right away. I was like, I love you, bro. Like, I love you. Like, I can't believe this 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 happened. The fact that I, you know, I got to win the middleweight medallion, which I always wanted because I felt like for there was a period of time that this division was kind of trapped and kind of like pushed aside. You know, I I wanted something more. Uh, I wanted to bring, to shed light in this division. And now that I, now that I got the middleweight medallion, every single show, I try to just, just either steal it or try to make it the best match possible. And I want the middleweight division to mean something. And it's going to mean something by the end of all. When I'm done with it all, this division, Will, will be at its at its best, and I will make sure hands down that. Oh, I get like emotional like talking about this because this is something that, like I always really envision here. Like you know, they say these things are props and things like that. Like I'm taking this, this middleweight division uh, and middleweight medallion to the heart. I don't want to just lose it. You know, I don't want to just lose it and it be a fluke. And the next thing you know, two months later, you don't even see a middleweight medallion uh, title match on a card 
right. don't want that to I want people that in the next generation are going to come up and be like, man, this means something because this guy made it something. You know, so that that is my my ultimate goal with this medallion is ever since winning it. Well, you did that the YouTube video of where is the medallion? And then um, the golden era did a, a golden um, the golden girl spoof. It's all about challenging yourself when times get hard and trying to not reinvent yourself, but just trying to get your name out there while we are all suffering and drowning with this COVID and this pandemic. And you can't wrestle in front of people. You can't do what you love. So how do you reinvent yourself? You still need to have that passion. So kudos to you for thinking outside the box and searching for something that you knew wasn't coming right now because of the pandemic. I had to keep busy. And because of that, that because of the pandemic too, and cutting those promos, it changed my character a lot. Mm. Uh, Cause when I first started, I was very, uh, very quiet, like very, cause sometimes people compare me to Alistair Black and like Bray Wyatt, as far as like character and persona and gimmick. And it wasn't me. Like, who I am is, like, I'm like this guy, and I can, hey, and then I could bring it back. Again. I can bring it back serious because I've been in serious situations. So I know when it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to play, but it's time to work. Right. You know, cutting those promos, I was like, you know what? Let me just be myself. The very first promo is me in all gear, trying to figure out life after wrestling, except I'm in my gear. And then the video, you just see me taking out the trash, see me try to build a fence. You see me clean the yard, and I'm just like, none of this is for me. And I just remember I took a shovel, and I was like, well, at least I won't get buried. And I threw it or whatever, you know. And that right there brought a whole nother side of Marvelous because it was before that, it was all dark. But yet, here I am talking about my life. I'm just like, you know what? Let me just embrace it all. So now I can just be myself to the fullest. Now when, uh, when they call me up for a promo, I'm no longer like, I don't know what to say. I don't have a plan anymore. I go out there not to become myself, and I'm starting to notice that that's actually good enough, you know? Right. Yeah. But that being said, that it's good enough. I got to keep going. I got to make it better. So. Definitely. Now, let's talk about balance. Talk about the importance of balancing work for professional wrestling to family to relationships. I know sometimes it takes 20 years to actually find that balance. Have you had a secret yet, or have you found that balance? It's all a mental game. It's all a mental game. At the end of the day, it's all about how you perceive life, how you look at reality. That's how I do it, because right now, I'm right now, I work currently, and no secret, I currently work at Home Depot right now. And I've been there since the pandemic happened, because I lost my last job because of the COVID. And I, I see the different lifestyles. <laughs> It's so crazy. It's like I come here and everybody's so positive and everybody wants to pursue it. And then you go back to real life and you see other people's struggles and they're not motivated. And almost, it almost like, you know, it's like a vampire that like sucks the life out of you. And then on top of that, I work at so I hear people complain all day. <laughs> but, be, but besides that, like, that's where I'm always in my mind. I see them and I'm like, all right, I can't get to this point. I can't lose it because if I lose it, everybody else around me is going to lose it. And if everybody around me is losing it while I'm not losing, then you know what? At least I can kind of maintain my mental peace and my happiness. Um, the balance between working, yes, it gets hard. Wrestling gets hard. Like, first, it's like when you start in a business, it's like, yeah, I'll go right away to training. Yeah, let's go. Da, 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 da. Then it gets to a point where it's like 
after you've taken some bumps and after you work and after you're grinding your body day in and day out, it starts becoming a little harder a little bit. So it's like, ah, can I go? Can I go? But I got to go to work, but I got to do this. No. It's all mental at the end of the day. No matter how tired I am, I still drag myself over here because I'll, I'll end up leaving the factory 12 o'clock. I got to go clocking at work in about four hours. Mm. And I do that over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. But I tell myself at the end of the day, it's going to pay off. It's all, for me at least, it's, it's a mental thing. And the most important thing to do is have a clear head and stay positive. Even though it's, though it's, it's easier said than done, of course, but that's the best way to balance. Put yourself out of reality for a second. Step out. Watch everybody in it. See how they're acting. See what they're doing. See why they're emotional. Then go in there and then adjust. So that's what I do. Let's, let's talk a little bit about growth. Um, Danny loves to see you guys grow, not, as in, not only as individuals, but also in the ring. Um, spreading your wings, flying, going to different promotions. When doing that, do you see how good you guys have it at the World Famous Monster Factory with the weight room and everything and then going to other promotions? And I don't want to sell anyone, anyone short, but seeing what you guys got and what you see out there by, by trying to go other places? It's, it's since I've been out to other places, it's definitely night and day. Um, the factory top notch. Uh, I, I remember, it's top notch, especially if you don't train here. I mean, not saying that other schools are not good to train or anything like that, but if you don't have real professionals or, or somebody that really knows this business, it clearly shows in your work. It clearly shows in your footsteps. Um, I remember I went to a tryout for this for this promotion, and I went in there. I looked around, and once I started seeing footwork, just footwork, I'm like, hmm, let me go into this. I can kill this, you know. And um, it's definitely it's a confidence booster in a way, knowing that I I, I got trained properly. Uh, but what we got going on here compared to other schools right now, I mean, Danny is always trying to be ahead of the curve. No matter what, he's always trying to bring something new three, four, five steps ahead. And now you're starting to see other training schools implement the same training styles and techniques that Dan's doing here. You know? Right. Let's talk about um, Funhouse Wrestling, man. Uh, you are, like I said, you are the American Lucha Champion. May 15th, open challenge. Uh, talk a bit about first how it felt winning that title in that four-way, I believe it was, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the open challenge. Anyone can challenge, man. What's going on in your mind? Uh, actually, this whole promotion and everything kind of came out of left field for me. Uh, the opportunity was presented to me by uh, Andrew Magic Morgan. Um, Magic, who's been around in the business around this area for over 30 years, wanted to start a promotion for, say, like, I guess, lower class families. Um, and I say that with respect. He wants to bring good, affordable wrestling for everybody in the household to just come out. Tickets are only $5. He want to make it family-friendly. His vision of all of this is to make a carnival-style style wrestling presentation. And um, I did a tryout where, uh, I believe I did a tryout for Titan Wrestling. Um, and there were some guys left over. I guess I was some of the guys that was like, hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna call you. We just don't know when, you know. And he called me right away. He said, I got this idea for a fair four-way. You hyena hex. Once he said hyena hex, I'm like, this is going to be great already. Uh, hyena hex, uh, Jay Bucci and James Gray. And I remember going into that. I had no expectations. 
I was like, all right, let's see how this goes. You know, I went in there and then right away um, after the match, finding out that I was the first ever for that promotion, America Luchador champion. It didn't sink in until like I got home, like, wow, I'm the first ever this. Like I could literally just say I am the first ever Funhouse Luchador champion. Yeah. And now, now May 15th is going to be our second but full show. We actually got a car now because the Fatal 4 was just the match that was presented on Titan Ford Funhouse. Now we're going to have the whole Funhouse promotion have have a whole match card. Um, and I'm, obviously I'm in there with an open house. I mean, I call it my open house, but it's an open challenge. Anybody can step up for my American Luchador title. I am waiting. I can't wait to see who's going to step up. I have no idea. Who is going to step up? And that's for a shoot. I don't know. I've even asked. I talked to Magic. I'm like, hey, can you give me some like ideas? Who's going to come? He's like, nah, man. I'll tell you. You'll meet him when he when he get there. And I'm like, all right. So I'm cool with it. I'm open because there's a lot of people now, especially too some of the participants in that match and that fatal four way. They don't think I deserve it. They think I was lucky. They think I was handpicked. May fifteenth. Whoever I'm in the ring with. I'm going to show them exactly why I'm the American Luchador champion and exactly why I am marvelous. And quite frankly, they are not, you know? So I can't wait. I, I really, I really, really can't wait for May 15th. So please, anybody out there listening, tickets are still available. Jackson, New Jersey, May 15th. Uh, so yeah, man, uh, Funhouse, I, it's a brand new promotion. We're just getting our feet wet now. Um, I, I just can't wait. I can't wait to see what the future holds, especially for that company. Well, I'd like to end this interview with uh, talking about the importance of uh, having a good network behind you to support you and uh, about, you know, how, it's every, how mental health and depression is hitting everybody during this pandemic full force. Um, talk about the importance of having people be ha- having your bag and having that army. Um, it's, it, it's, always, it's always great and, and to be around people that even on your worst days, know that you have better days, especially better days ahead, you know, and they continue to push you when they feel like you're a little down, you know. Um, me, personally, besides the, 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 the support I got here at the Monster Factory, I don't have the same support when I'm out by myself, you know, when I'm at home. So sometimes when I'm, like, alone, I get in my head, but then I realize that there's other people, obviously, in their heads also. And then if I break, then how many people that were actually looking up, you know, to me are going to break? Or how many people around me are just going to break? Because I try to say that, hey, I am mentally the strongest here. You know, I'm not the strongest physically, but I am mentally I'm the strongest. And I try to preach that, you know. And I, I'm always talking about positivity like I was telling you about earlier. So having that support system, uh, whether if it's just one person that supports you, you know, is enough. For me, at least, it's enough that I need to continue going. Because that right there, that one person, that's one life. Now, that person, go ahead and he could take your words and he could tell somebody else. Now he's affecting other people's lives all because you affected his own life. You know, and sometimes we're, we, like, as humans, we're, we get kind of selfish or whatever. And all hands we're like, well, we don't got friends or this and that. Because we're so blinded by our, our, our deep depression, our state, that we feel like nobody knows what we're really going through. Even if they actually do, we just can't accept that because we're just so in our heads, you know? And I uh, I was in a very, very, very bad mental state. Uh, just depression, basically, when I was uh, in my early 20s. And one thing that 
got me out of that for sure was seeing my brother who actually had a mental breakdown where he was in bed for six months and did not move. You know, uh, we had to take him to therapy, take him to a hospital, take him to the, you know, it, seeing him go through that, not literally being mentally, it, that right there changed my whole perspective. That, that's where I was like, why am I depressed? What, what can I be going through? This kid doesn't even get up from, from his bed. I'm getting up every day and I'm at least going to work and I, yeah, I'm upset and I hate my life and this and that, but this kid's not even getting out of bed. And that kid, I don't know if you've seen some of these Golden Era skits, but that kid is Jay. Jay, yeah. Jay Era. And that's my, that's, that's my little brother. And um, I, I remember I got tickets to WrestleMania. And when I got the tickets, he, 35, um, he, he just went down. And I was so worried that like he wasn't going to snap out of it before WrestleMania because I took him to a SummerSlam. And the week before SummerSlam, he went into it. And I kind of, because we didn't know. We, at the time, we still don't know what, what causes mental issues. Um, I dragged him, and it's like a zombie. He wasn't there. We're like, we're at SummerSlam, you know? Like, and he's just sitting there like a zombie. And, um, oh, crap. <laughs> don't get emotional. But just seeing him sit there like a zombie, I'm like, oh, my God. And then finally, he snapped out of it. He doesn't remember being there. He doesn't remember the matches. So I went ahead, and I got WrestleMania tickets. And when I got the WrestleMania tickets, I'm like, hopefully he's good. Next thing you know, he goes back into the mental breakdown, and uh, a week before WrestleMania, he popped back up, and ever since that day, he has not gone back down, and he got to enjoy WrestleMania. He dressed up like Macho Man. He was so happy. Biggest stage of them all, you know? He hasn't, he hasn't fallen back. Thank, luckily, now with the psychiatrist and the doctors and stuff, they prescribe him things, like pills, certain pills that kept him up, keep him going, and... Danny loves him here. Danny just, he's like a basically an honorary member. He would come in. Danny gave him a t shirt. He could basically come in. Makes, uh, the boys love him, of course. You know, Golden Era takes some. He's one of the boys. And that's all he ever wanted to be was one of the boys. And I'm happy that I I got to do that for him. Not only just living my dream, but he's living his dream. Right. Yeah. So um, for the damaged fans out there that want to find more information about you, where can they go? You can go um, easily just on Instagram or on Twitter at MarvelousXCII and on Facebook on Marvelous Marcelo. Also, too, you could also email me for all of those promoters out there listening. Yes. Um, MarvelousMarcelo92 at gmail.com. That's where you find me. Marvelous, I want to say thank you so much for your time. It was an honor to interview you, get to know your story. And this is just the beginning for you, man. And anytime you want to come back on Damage Radio, doing me gotta ask man it's, it's the floor is yours so thank you for your time i appreciate it man like i said thank you for having me and it's an honor just to be on this show seeing the, the people that were on the show beforehand like this is just an honor man i can't wait to talk to you again that's no, definitely now uh, damage fans don't forget don't keep it nice and neat keep it completely damaged on mockerradio.com where music and minds meet Please